Welcome to Learning Through Math, the podcast. I'm Laura at I Teach the Why. I'm Karina at Mrs. Cousins 5. Our mission is to inspire ourselves and others to keep learning and improving with passion. And hugs. You can find us at learningthroughmath.com and on Twitter at Laura and Karina. Come and join us on this journey of learning. Thanks for joining us. We are recording this in April of 2022. And welcome to episode 76, learning about anchor charts. My reflection for this week, Karina, was when we talked about doing some of the brain breaks in the last episode. And I said, oh gosh, yeah, I have to remember to do that touch the back of the chairs. Right. So last week I was in kindergarten and first grade. And this week I was half day sub for first grade. I was like, oh, game on. Here we go. Right. (laughs) Have them sitting down and doing whatnot. And I said, okay, I went through the whole modeling thing. Here's what you're going to do. When I say to, not yet, I haven't said to. When I say to, you're going to stand up wherever you are. They were all on the carpet. I said, not now, because I did not say, like I kept (laughs) referring. And I said, you are going to touch the back of five chairs like this. You're going to walk slowly. And I was walking around modeling and I said, one, two. And I went nice and slow, three, four, five. I came back to the carpet and I sat back down. I said, ready, begin. And they all got up and it was like, oh, wow, this is working. The smiles on their faces just to be able to get up to move. And I gave them a specific thing to do, right? It wasn't just willy nilly and whatnot. When they came back, I said something like, I want to tell you what I saw was excellent. And I went through the whole modeling. You know, they all stood up nicely. They all walked. They all touched. I said, but you know what I didn't notice? I didn't hear everybody say one, two, three, four, five. I didn't hear everybody count. So the next time we did it, I said, now remember, we're not going to yell. We're all just going to say it. And they did. And it it was like magic. Yeah, nice. It was so nice. I'm thinking that I might, I did it also, and I did not model it. And there were some slapping of chairs instead of touching chairs. So definitely something that I'm going to have to, because afterwards I'm like, really, you guys, like you're fifth grade. Like, really, this is what we're doing. We're slapping the backs of the chairs now. Okay. Deep breaths in, deep breaths out. Let me, let me go backwards now and redo what I've just done. Jeepers. But anyway, yes. So model, model, model. No matter what age. Even no matter what age group. Adult, right? Yeah. But I was thinking too, as I was, as I was having them count, I'm like, this is also a great time to bring up again counting. And I could even easily tell them instead of counting by whole numbers, mm-hmm. let's count by tenths and let's count till we have one whole, right? Right. right. One tenth, two tenths, <laughs> three tenths, four tenths, and see if maybe that starts to, yeah, kind of go in. But I did tell them to be quiet because I did want them quiet. But I'm thinking now I should probably tell them to count out loud, if, especially if I'm doing like tenths. Right. And to, because I want them to hear. Good. Well, voice. I'm but glad we had this reflection. We both did it. Then, yes. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the one thing that I didn't mention with that you and I have talked about, you, you had come up with this idea with the open middle problems. 
but how important it is to use the tiles or some kind of card. Right. Something that they can manipulate and move around when you do mm-hmm. an open middle problem. It makes it so much better as opposed to just random numbers or writing it down on a, you know, with an expo marker. So if you don't know what we're talking about, what Laura's recommendation was with open middle tasks is to use those color tiles and you can write on them with an expo marker. It just erases right off. Uh, no, right? I, I use a Sharpie. Oh, you use a Sharpie. I did. Okay. Because if we need a blank side, just turn it over. Oh, that's true. That's a good point. Right. Just write the digits one through nine or zero because sometimes zero, right? Zero, yes. Sometimes zero is used. So zero through nine and then use those for the tile. It makes it so much better. I just have them put it in. Well, I put it in a snack size Ziploc bag. Yeah. And that way. Yeah. And you have I tried them. to color code it so that right. each kid had one solid color. Like all yeah. their digits would be blue or all their digits would be red or green or yellow. That way, if one fell on the floor, it was easier to find out. Who's, whose bag it belonged to. Another thing that I wanted to reflect on also is when you and I led one of the staff PDs, we also did a GLP walk with staff. And I think we we forgot to mention that it's not something that can just be done with students. I, I haven't done it yet, but I, it's, it's planned for this week. But also something that we can think about using with adult learners. And you know what? It really does help to get to know somebody else mm-hmm. quickly. Yeah. You know, especially, you know, as elementary teachers, we're, I mean, I'm in, I'm in intermediate land. I do not talk very often with primary teachers. (laughs) Right. I don't. So if you have a faculty meeting or something and you're using a GLP walk, a great thing to do or suggest would be if you are an intermediate pair up with a primary so that you can just have that different perspective, that different point of view and you get to know someone. Yep. Because teaching can be really isolating. It has been for 30 years. Years. Yeah. yeah. I mean, until Google Meet, when we really went into lockdown and then we started doing our book clubs over Google Meet. Right. That really unlocked things, right? Other than just doing the ones in person, you know, with our math council or at my house, <laughs> right? <laughs> with yeah. people that we knew. But yeah, it, it, that's been really good too. Okay, I have good news for this week. Okay. Last week on Friday, I was, you know, covering for the teachers for SBT for KN1. And this week when I had to sub for first grade, I popped open Esta Mysteries and I made sure that I used the ones that had the number charts on there. Because when yeah. I'm only in somebody's room for a quick amount of time, all I'm doing is opening up the smart panel. Like I don't have time. When I did sub, I opened up the estimate mystery on the projector with the document camera. And then I opened up braining camp on the smart panel. So I had right. the hundreds board. But every time that a clue pops up, the next thing, it eliminates the, the numbers that aren't working. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Right? Yep. Well, every time... <laughs> That we did one of the Esther mysteries and we got to the next clue, I'd say something like, all right, who's still alive? You know, and and little five, six and seven year olds were like, I'm still alive or I've survived or it was the cutest thing. I'm going to make sure. Yes. And and some, ooh, sweet baby Jesus. Yep. We need to do a lot of extra work with estimation. Now, you know, for Wonder Wednesday, for a year and a half now, that's all I've been doing is using estimation 180. Right. We're still in 
need of getting better at estimating. Yeah. I mean, it just all comes down, again, all comes down to number sense. And this is one way to build it. Time, right? But it's still, it. that is the most important piece because if kids have strong number sense, then that, I mean, that's really all they need. If they can understand numbers and patterns in numbers. And the connections and relationships. And connections, yep. Then that is, I, I mean, they can, like I've said before, I mean, so many problems they can either solve, well, they can solve using any operation. You know, there's, there's several problems where you can add, you can subtract, you can multiply, you can divide. It's just how you look at it. Yes. Okay. Two, two other thoughts popped in my head. One, I have to do more, which I have not been doing at all, counting collections, because the kids actually need to see the pieces, not just two-dimensionally on the screen, but 3D in their hands. Yeah. Because the, the little ones were not understanding. You know, I would count the ones that we could see, and then they'd add like 80 more to it, which makes no sense. So they, they need the hands-on actual things to be able to count when they're done estimating. And then my other thought was in my small group yesterday with my fifth graders, because they had been testing, as you know, (laughs) on Thursday and third graders, I was testing, by the way, everybody on Wednesday, I walked five miles staring at children, taking a test Mm -hmm. in the building. So I decided to play peer math with two groups of fifth graders and actually one group of third graders. Woo! So you know what I ended up doing? I grabbed connecting cubes because when it came to the division part, they had no clue. There was an eight and a four and, you know, two was the card that they pulled. And yes, you can, you can add eight and four is 12. So you can use two for the ones place, but the division part, oh, multiplication, eight times four is 32. You can use it for multiplication, but eight divided by four they had no clue. So I put out the model of, I said, do you want to do four groups or four in each group? They said four groups. So I put two in each group. And then every time we tried something, I said, I put out the, another set and I said, okay, does this model match that model? And if they said yes or no, okay, let's move on from there kind of thing. Yeah. Wow. So whether we get, you know, new kits next year of manipulatives with things, I'm sure the upper grades aren't getting connecting cubes, but I need to make sure that they're in there just for easiness sake, you know, because when you yeah. keep them together or the Unifix cubes or snap cubes, when, when you get to keep them together and say, look, there's two, there's four, there's eight, there's the actual things for them to put their hands on. But yeah. And my good news was that I have been doing more brain breaks during this week and I've been putting them already into my slides like for the day because, you know, I, I like to follow a, a, an order in my lesson plans and it just it just helps me stay on, on track of yes. what I'm supposed to get to. And sometimes I don't get to all of it. It just gets pushed to the next day. But at least it, it you know, it, it helps me stay organized, especially when you're teaching all subjects. It sometimes... I've gone through where I've had lesson plans and I have been organized and ready for the day, but then you get to writing time and you're like, what am I doing today? And I just planned it yesterday, but I still had no, you know, I didn't remember at all. I have no idea what you're talking 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? Oh yeah. What are we doing? Oh yeah. Um, my day's almost done. I can't. How am I? I'm supposed to remember everything I'm doing. No. Anyway, I've placed these brain breaks now into my my slides for the day, and I will tell you that even with just like a one minute break, the kids are so much more focused afterwards. And it doesn't take long. It's not, you know, the first few times I'm like, oh boy, I I don't know if I'm going to hear groans. I don't know if they're going to be into it. Will they buy into it because they're fifth graders? You know, how how is this going to go? It's gone great. There have been no complaints. I'm sure they're so happy to get up out of their chairs. Yeah. Even one... I, it was a would you rather it's just not, I just find like a v- video YouTube or I use go noodle but one is a uh, would you rather like roll down a mountain or climb a tree right and it's this, this cute little panda meme for each one of them it's a really cute video but I just chop it so that because in Google slides you can pick the time that you like for you play for the video you can pick a start time and pick an end time. You don't I have did to not know video. that. Okay. Yeah. You are so Google, Google, our Google master over there. Yeah. Our, the video is itself. It's like 15 minutes long, but so I'm just using the same video and I'm just using a minute of it every day. Right. Oh. Yeah. It's great. When it was over and they were, they had to do like squats, like for one. And then the other one, I don't know, was jumping jacks or something. When it was done, they were like, oh, that was it. I'm like, yep, let's get back to work. But it's something that they're looking forward to. So I'm like, yay. Because if you have buy-in, that's, I mean, that's the most important piece, right? If you, if they're into it and they like it, then yay. Yay. And we know that they need novelty. So keep keep changing it up. All right, listeners, we are going to get into today's topic, which is learning about anchor charts. And I have a uh, something to say about anchor charts. When I first started teaching 30 years ago, they were non-existent. Mm-hmm. I remember going to the teacher store, getting buying all of my posters and put them all up. And that's what was an anchor chart back then, I guess. It was probably at least 10 years into, maybe not 10, maybe seven, eight years into teaching out of these 30 years that anybody started mentioning anchor charts. But I think now they've become wallpaper Mm -hmm. again. Yes. I I think, again, it just goes back to how you're using it and how you're – what is the purpose behind it? Is it just – for the show, because we all know that sometimes it is just the the dog and pony show of this is what unit we're on. So I'm going to put this anchor chart up just so that people who walk into my classroom can know that this is what we're doing and this is what we're working on. Or is it something that you refer back to? And I, I feel like a lot of times anchor charts you know, they get a bad name. Some people, some administrators don't like when they're laminated because then it means that it's something that is not being used with kids or created with kids. However, and I kind of want to go against that a little bit because I have one anchor chart that I use every year and every, like we refer back to that one over and over and over again. And it's not that it's necessarily something that kids, I don't feel like it's something that I need to create with them. And the anchor chart I'm talking about, I've, I think I've told you about this one. I think I've shared this one before on, on our podcast is 
ways readers take notes, like ways to note take. Okay. So you can use a diagram. You can use a Venn diagram. You can use a T-chart. You can use a list. You can use a timeline. That anchor chart is not something I have to create for kids. You know, it's just it's just a place for them to look at. And we do refer back to it a lot while they're reading, while they're taking notes, while they're, you know, doing anything, anything like that. What system can we use on paper, right, to collect information? So really, it's a poster. It is a poster. Because you're using it over and over again, and it's laminated. It is laminated, right. Right? So when, when you think about an anchor chart, see that to me, that's not an anchor chart. That's but it's, I created it. So that to me is an anchor chart because I've created it. Okay. So then what, what defines, I guess, an anchor chart? Right. I guess that's a good question. Is it, I don't know. What, what is it? I don't know either. I I mean, from what I have been told over all these years, it's something you create with the kids that they refer back to. Right. Yeah. But I don't know. It, it, I, I just feel like like what you said about the dog and pony show, or it literally just becomes wallpaper on the walls. One thing that when I was teaching fifth grade, I would have my place value chart, the place value system up. So yes, it's store bought, but did I always refer back to it? Yes. And I would literally say, okay, look at the wallpaper over there. I did (laughs) because the kids forget about it. And it's there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where I see the value of it, right? It's only valuable if you refer back to it. Or the kids refer back to it. Or the kids refer back to it. So one of the, I guess, anchor charts like you're saying, like something that they use and they create in my room is actually, you know, in, in fifth grade, we do a lot of Greek roots and Latin roots. Mm-hmm. One thing that we've done is or I've done, I've ha- I have a, an anchor chart where kids, as they read, they add to this list of Latin roots and, and Greek roots that they, you know, that they find, they come across in their reading in math because it actually comes up in math too. We've talked about kilo mm-hmm. means. We've talked about what centi means. Mm-hmm. And we've, we were just, we're just on this week. We, we talked about cir- circum, like circumference. Right. Circumvent. Right. Circumstance, right? Like all of that has to do with. Interesting. So in that case, the kids are creating the anchor chart. Right. And I don't think we ever talk about that, right? It's always the teacher making the anchor chart. Yeah. Right? Yes. And when we started our fraction unit, this anchor chart's been up for a while. I had the kids write down, we talked about it as a discussion, but this is one that they really did create an anchor chart they created. I started with a web, right? And again, we talked about, okay, how do we want to represent this with our notes? What um, graphic organizer? Organizer. Yeah, I guess it really is a graphic organizer. How do we want to do this in our notes? Let's choose a web. So I wrote fraction in the middle and then, you know, made a whole bunch of branches and said, what do you, what can you tell me about fractions? That was the the very beginning of fractions. And they came up and they, you know, we had a class conversation and as they said something that was new, I said, okay, go ahead and write that. Go ahead and write that. Go ahead. So it was like almost like a KWL chart where it was like, what do they already know? You know, and, but it brought about the questions that they might have and what we were going to see. So you could have even done a KWL chart for it. But again, it was more meaningful because they had ownership and authorship over it. Ooh, you know? ownership and authorship. 
I like that. Mm. We should hashtag that one. (laughs) So let me ask you a question about anchor charts slash posters. You know, we have our science state assessment coming up. If I put posters out in the hallway for the fifth graders to look at, would that just be posters or would it be an anchor chart? Do we have to, I guess we have to interact with it in order for it to be an anchor chart. I mean, it's an, it's called anchor chart because we want to anchor it to something that they're learning or they've learned. Yes. So should I put posters out? I mean, it can't hurt, right? Because if they're walking to lunch or they're walking to specials and they happen to see, I don't know, phases of the moon and that helps them remember something or, but that wouldn't be an anchor chart. That would just be a poster. A poster. Yeah, I guess it would. Now that we're talking about it. Yeah. I think, I think I would agree with that, that it would just be a poster. So I'm like redefining what an anchor chart is in my mind. And I, and I'm not saying that posters are not good because there is value to some of them, you know? Right. Again, it just, it, goes back to how you're using them. And if you just put them on the wall for all year, they become wallpaper. Yeah, it's no good. Right? And I've been I've done that. Me too. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I have I definitely have one right now, actually two that are that's it's really just wallpaper. It's multiplication strategies, ways that you can multiply. Doubling and having is up there. And when we talked about doubling and having again, they were like, "What is that?" I'm like, "It's up there." <laughs> Look, it's been there all year. So again, it's just about what you, right? That's why the purpose is really to refer back to it. And it's not, a a lot of times people say it's like a a note-taking system or like that they want kids to copy it because then it's a procedure and then it'll get into their heads because they're writing it. I don't see that at all. I don't see a benefit to that at all. You're you're shaking your head. Because I'm thinking- Uh, How much the research says that, you know, I'm thinking about Christian and going to college next year, and he doesn't even know I'm going to be saying this, but I don't want him to bring his laptop to class. I want him to bring a notepad because we know the value of writing notes rather than typing notes. Right. Right. And not that this has anything to do with anchor charts. I mean, per se, what I just said, but just like what you said with the kids copying, it doesn't do anything for them, right? Because we've talked about, do do your kids go refer back to their notes? No. (laughs) Not, not the ones. That's why I I haven't done it this year. Like, you know, like, like I did last year. And again, I know last year was different. It was hybrid. It was completely different situation, but no, that when I've done notes previously, when I was like a little bit more heavily into the note taking no, they didn't they didn't really understand what they were doing and I think now after reading, you know, building things in classrooms, I'm noticing that they were just trying to keep up with me instead of trying to learn what it was that I was actually trying to teach them, right? right? And because a lot of times I do go fast for 5th grade, I'm like, let's go, let's go, write this down, write this down, hurry up. So, yeah, no, it's not beneficial. Yeah. I don't see it as a benefit. Okay, listeners, we have a challenge for you this week. We want you to share one of your anchor charts, take a picture of it, and tell us how you use it in your classroom. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. We invite you to join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag learningthroughmath. We'd love to hear your feedback. Make sure to tag us at Laura and Karina. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. To you too.